Well, everybody, it's good to see you. Good morning. My name is Steve Hoadley. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the worship pastor here at Hope, and we are finishing up a series called The Power of a Dream. We've been looking at the story of Joseph, Joseph from the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. And for the last four weeks, we've been going through that. So if you've missed any of those sermons and you want to catch up, you can feel free to use our website. There's a tab, a media tab that you can click on and you can access them online. You can also go on iTunes and you can search for Hope Church Voorhees and that should come up if you want to get caught up. But we have a lot of work to do in a short amount of time, so we're going to jump right into the story today. We're going to be concluding Joseph's story, but before we get there, if you have missed anything, let's remind ourselves of who Joseph is, all right? So Joseph is the son of Jacob. Jacob is one of the three major patriarchs in the Old Testament, one of the three major fathers of our faith. We often hear Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph is Jacob's favorite son, which doesn't really go that well for Joseph, to be honest, because his brothers are quite jealous at that favoritism. Joseph receives dreams from God, and he just proudly and pretty much arrogantly tells his brothers what's going to happen, that they're going to bow down and worship him one day. Um, they love him for that. Nope. They hate him for that. In fact, they hate him a lot, and they hate him so much that his own brothers want to kill him. But they talk with one another and say, why don't we just throw him into slavery? Because, you know, that's better. So Joseph is thrown into slavery, and he is serving at the house of his master, Potiphar. And Joseph does a great job maintaining his master's house. Joseph is a good-looking young man and is quite smart as well, and so the master's wife takes a liking to him. And uh, when she uh, wants to be with him in a way that is not appropriate, he runs away, but she, she falsely accuses him of rape. And so Joseph finds himself not only in slavery, but now in prison. While Joseph is in prison, he meets some members of Pharaoh's court, and they're having dreams, and he interprets the dreams for them, just as he has done for his brothers previously. And uh, they're very thankful to Joseph for that, and they say, don't worry, Joseph, we'll remember you. Well, they don't. Joseph spends many more years in prison, forgotten by those that he had helped it's only later when Pharaoh himself receives dreams and words get back, word gets back to him that Joseph has this power from God to interpret them. And so Joseph accurately interprets Pharaoh's dream and he is taken up out of the prison and made second in command of all of Egypt. During this time, his brothers are experiencing, as well as the rest of the known world, a famine a great famine, and they go to Egypt looking for help, looking for provision, looking for safety. And unknowingly, they ask their brother, Joseph. Joseph, by God's grace, is able to forgive his brothers. They come into the land, not only them, but his father, Jacob. It's there that we pick up the story. It's in Genesis chapter 50. And I'm going to start reading at verse 15. If you want to look on your app or on your Bible, but it'll also be on the screen. Let's hear God's word for us today. This is Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. When, bro when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, 
So earlier it describes that Jacob has passed away. They said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they assume, look, dad's gone. Joseph is going to have his way now. So they sent a messenger or a message to Joseph. So they, they don't even want to be in his presence. Saying, your father gave us this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Supposedly, Joseph wasn't okay talking through a messenger, and so he invites his brothers to have a meeting together. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him, fulfilling the dream that was given to him at 17 years old. And the brothers said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph's brothers expect the worst. Rightly so. Their father is dead and their bro the brothers of Joseph have acted evil against him. Joseph has all the power and they are certain that he will use it against them now. But instead, Joseph... Joseph chooses a different way. Joseph says, you know what? I'm not God. But God has used what you have done for good and for the salvation of many people. Joseph has had a lifetime, a lifetime to process what has happened to him. Why his brothers would do such an evil thing to want to kill him. I'm your brother and you want to kill me? But it's worse than that. You see, it didn't just, the, the, Joseph's story isn't just made up there. Joseph's story continues to Egypt where we learned about one week that he had integrity. So when Potiphar's wife comes to him, he says, no, that is not right for me to do. And what happens to Joseph? He gets thrown into prison. That doesn't seem right. And so Joseph's in prison, and he meets some of the members of the temple court, and he helps them. And he's forgotten. That doesn't seem right. And so Joseph's life is like a roller coaster. It's going up and down, and all throughout, he probably has this vision of that dream that he was given by God, this promise that God gave him, and he's going up and down and going from disappointment to disappointment, and it doesn't say so in the text, but I wonder if he's ever said, enough, enough, God. Where are you? 
where are you? If all these things are happening to me, how can you be with me? And I wonder today how many of us have said the same thing. Where are you, God? But Joseph has a different way of looking at it. Joseph has a different perspective. He says that God is in control, even using evil actions to bring about God's plan, God's dream for humanity. He says that many people would be saved because of this. Recently had a conversation with a friend of mine who said when he talks to people who don't believe in God, the number one thing that they seem to mention is this. If there is a God and he is good, then why does all this bad stuff happen? If there is a God and he is good, then why are there school shootings where innocent children lose their lives? Why are corrupt people allowed to stay in power? Why are there disasters every day? Honestly, it's one of the most difficult questions for us to answer as Christians because there's uh, three important things that seem to be at uh, war with each other. Number one, that God is all-powerful. That God is all-powerful, that he created everything that we see and everything that we can't see, the heavens and the earth, and that he is in control of it all. And the other is that God is good. God is fully good in ways that we can't even understand what good actually means, that he is love, the definition of love, and that he wants to bring goodness and love to all. And yet we find ourselves often in a place of suffering. We find ourselves in a place of suffering where we see evil seemingly winning. And we ask ourselves, how can these three things all be true? And so the skeptic sometimes says, you know what? They're not true. But if we dig a little bit deeper, I think we may find a better way to understand our circumstance and our God. You see, we need to remember as Christians that we live in a world that was created good. The world was created perfect and good. That's how God created it to be. And there is something inside every human being that says that things should be good. And when the things are not good, something inside our souls says, that's wrong. Because we also live in a world that is marred and stained and infected by sin. Sin is a willful or even an unknowing disobedience to God's design, plan, and order for the universe. And our first father and mother, Adam and Eve, decided to not live as God would have planned. And they disobeyed God. And the course of history is a result of that decision. And the way that we find ourselves in this world is because of that. And there is sin all around us. There is sin in each and every one of us. There isn't one person in this room or on this planet that does not have sin in their heart.
Again, a a way of living that isn't the way that God designed us to live. A way of thinking, a way of acting, a way of relating that hurts ourselves and hurts people. We may struggle with so many things. We may struggle with pride or greed or lust or envy or so many different things that if we're honest with ourselves, we see in us. And there may be some of us today who are experiencing great disappointment and personal trauma in your life because you have sinned. You have not listened to God's voice and you have listened to your own. And though God's forgiveness is always for you, there are consequences that you are sitting in right now. Some of us are affected by the sin of others. God gave human beings free will, and because of that free will, we hurt each other every single day. Gwen and I watch the news, and we just feel like turning it off, turning off the social media, disconnecting from the computer, because there's tragedy all around us. People are terrible to people. People hurt one another. In a room this size, statistically, there would be truth that some of you have experienced abuse in your life. Whether it be physical or emotional or sexual, that there was someone in your life that you may have trusted who did some great damage to you and you bear the consequences of their sin every day. We see the consequences of sin in our world The creation that God created as good is also affected by this sin, by this decision, by this disobedience to God. The very disasters that we see can be explained by sin just having an effect. You know, the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 talks about the creation groaning and waiting and yearning for redemption. That there is disease and there is sickness and there is death not because God had created those things, but because sin has brought them in the very DNA of our cells. Things don't work the way that they're supposed to. And so what do we do? How do we answer these questions? Well, let's look at this text again, because I think it might give us some help today. Genesis 50 verse 20 says this, As for you, this is Joseph talking to his brothers. As for you, you meant evil against me. There is no denying that Joseph's brothers did an evil thing. But God meant it for good. God meant it for good. To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. See, evil is real. Evil is painful, but somehow God is able to take such terrible things and mean them for good. For the good of his glory and for the good of those who love him. But whenever God gets connected to evil, we start to really ask some questions. And I want this to be a help today. I want this to be an encouragement today. Some of you may say, hasn't been encouraging so far. 
But here are some things to remember as we're processing this. I'm going to go kind of quickly. Sorry. Number one, Scripture nowhere shows God as directly doing anything evil, but rather as bringing about evil deeds through the willing actions of moral creatures. God does not do anything evil, but through the actions of moral creatures, good can come. Number two, Scripture never blames God for evil and never shows God taking pleasure in evil. Number three, Scripture never excuses human beings for doing the wrong that they do. And yet somehow God is in the midst. Somehow God is in the midst and still holds human beings accountable and yet somehow uses their choices to sovereignly bring about his purposes and his dream. The scripture is actually quite quiet on why evil exists, but accepts it as a a way that we live. But doesn't shy away that God can come into that brokenness. The easiest way for me to say it to us today is that God is in the mess. God is in the mess. Sometimes it's really hard to see him. And I got to tell you, if I can just put a time out here on this, um, just prepping this message was tough. It was tough. Because I know of situations, and you may know of even more, where there is stuff going on with sickness, with relationships, with evil that can be called nothing short of heartbreak. And that's the world that we live in. And sometimes it just drives you to your knees. And so my heart for you as one of your pastors, my heart for you as a preacher today, is that this word of God would bring you understanding. That this word of God would bring you hope. That no matter where you find yourself, that you are not too far from God. God is here, and he is powerful beyond our understanding and beyond our circumstance. The often quoted scripture from Romans 8:28 says this. For we know that for those who love God all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, please, when someone is going through a difficult time, don't come up to them with a with a quote like this and say, "Don't worry, God says everything's going to be okay." Because that's where we take the truths of God's word and we turn them into trite sayings that really don't bring compassion and sympathy, but really show a lack of empathy. Because there are some things about this text that we can get wrong if we don't understand it correctly. First of all, notice that it doesn't say that all things are good. All things that happen to us are not good. They can be used for good, but not all things are good. Secondly, All things are not necessarily even for my good. They could be for the good of others. 
that things, all things are not my happiness, all things are not my comfort, that God will see us through, but it may not be in the way that we desire. Because sometimes the valley is deep. But that does not change who God is. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes the valley is deep, but that does not change who God is. Sometimes the job does not come through. Sometimes the baby does not live. Sometimes the diagnosis is terminal. Sometimes the loved one dies young. Sometimes the divorce is final. And sometimes the war rages on. Even then, God is with you. And God is good. And God is mysteriously working things out in ways that we couldn't possibly begin to understand. And our hope might not be for today. Our hope might not be for today. You know, Joseph's story ends pretty good. Not every story in the Bible does. The Bible doesn't shy away, shy away from that truth. Our hope is still true in tomorrow. You see, what the story of Joseph tells us and what the story of the whole Bible tells us and what the story of Jesus tells us is that God is not content to sit on the sidelines. God is not content to leave mankind to its own devices, to its own terrors and its own evil, but God comes in to the mess. God comes into the mess because God is a redeeming God. God wants to set right all the wrongs that we feel and make them right in the end. Sometimes it's not today, but always it is looking towards tomorrow. There will be a day where we do not cry, where there will be no death, where there will be no sin, where the reign and rule of God Almighty is expressed totally and perfectly and God's love is known to all of his creation. That is a day that we look forward to and we say in those most desperate hours of need, come Lord Jesus, come. Come Lord Jesus, come. Here's the point. Our story is for his glory. Our story is not about us. Joseph's story wasn't about Joseph. God is doing something bigger than we could even possibly imagine, and yet he is with us in the midst of our storms. And it's a dangerous place, friends, to say, you know what? I think I've stored up enough points with God to make sure that nothing bad is going to happen to me. That's just not the way God's economy works. We don't put ourselves in right moral standing to get God's grace. We act in moral ways because we've received God's grace. And God's grace is true for us whether tomorrow is a mountaintop or tomorrow is a valley. His grace for us is real and is present and is there. And it is not about the good that we do. We so even fall into this place of how could God let things happen to good people? I don't know how to answer that but I know that God is working all things out. My prayer for us today is that we could take away 
a couple things. Number one is that we can't, we can't understand the mysteries of God's plan as math. It's just not always one plus one equals two. Some things, they honestly just don't make sense. Mainly because God is God and we are not. But also, that we can hold on to the fact that God is sovereign and God is good, that he can be trusted and that he's working all things out. And when you feel like you're going to lose the grasp of Jesus' hand in this life, when you feel that your strength is failing, be confident in this, that it is not you who are holding on to God, but it is God who is holding on to you. It is God who is holding on to you, that you are not so far removed that he is done with you that he is actively pursuing you and wanting your healing and your good in whatever circumstance we can have. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble. So today, you might fall into three different places. You might be literally experiencing the war of your life right now. Things cannot get any darker, things cannot get any bleaker, things cannot be any more in despair. You never thought this was going to happen to you, and yet here you are. Or you could be struggling from something that happened in your past 20 years ago that for some reason is a moment that has gripped your heart and your life and it won't let go. Or you might be, by God's grace, that person who doesn't even know what I'm talking about right now. Because by God's grace, that's how your life has gone. But one day... Jesus said, you will have trouble. But what else did he say? He said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so may these words of Paul be our words today. That even though I am afflicted, I am not crushed. Even though I am perplexed, I am not driven to despair. Even though I am persecuted, I am not forsaken. Even though I am struck down, I am not destroyed. That there is nothing that this world can throw at me because God, I believe, is with me. And God is working all things out. And that God is in the midst of the storm and in the midst of the pain. And just like Joseph, we can have eyes and believe, even in the toughest times, that he is with us. And that somehow... We will see his goodness. Some of the members of the worship team are going to come and, uh, and sing for us a song here today as we close up. And as they do, I just want us to uh, picture in our mind an image. I want to picture in our mind an image of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, God himself, decided that you and I were worth it. That you and I and the rest of the world were worth coming to this planet and dying a painful death on a cross. That we would know life today and forever. And yet Jesus prayed these words.
He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We worship and we serve and we love and obey a God who is not away from our sorrow and away from our suffering, but who deeply understands what it's like to say, God, please, no. God, please, don't let this happen. But Jesus himself said, in the end, it is not my will, but yours be done. And I trust you, Father. I trust you, Father, with my life. I trust that you have plans for me beyond what I can understand. And I trust you, Father, that you're with me. Let's just bow our heads again together. Jesus, we believe that you are good and that you are the author of life and that you are that you are the great healer and that you give hope God and so we ask that you would help us in these moments to understand your will for our lives that we would be able to be obedient in any circumstance and in any season and that we, be, we would be careful to give you glory, God, for your goodness to us in it all. For the very breath that is coming from our lungs is a gift of life, and by grace we receive it from you. So we thank you, God, that we can trust you, that we can know you, that you are a God who does not leave us or forsake us, but who is with us. It's in through your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.